0: So we are live. Uh, Today we have Justin Porter Media. He is a Texas based filmmaker. He does weddings. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about finding the best light in your wedding film. Uh, We're both filmmakers. Good to have you here, Justin. Tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Hey, man. Um, so, you know, I started filming, uh, I guess, making Vine videos about five years ago. And uh, I never, you know, imagined having my own like production company or, you know, wedding film team or whatever. But um, it's a blessing. You know, I'm excited. And I'm, I'm grateful that you, you know, you brought me on the show today. I know I've been wanting to link up with you for the longest. I admire your work, bro. So you're, you're, I killing it, And likewise, dude, I like your work too. Um, so
0: it's good to have you here. Um, so we're gonna go into you know finding the best light for your wedding films and what does that mean? It could be natural light, it could be uh, times when we actually can't control the light. Um, is there any tips and tricks that you have? I know I have a couple that I could like you know start rattling them off, but like yeah. uh, for me, it starts very early in the day in bride prep, um, and for me, it's literally just turning off all the lights and working by the window. Um, and honestly, it's such a simple trick, but like I still see a lot of women filmmakers not doing it. And uh, you get a lot of mixed. Yeah. I mean, the thing is is like you gotta make sure that the room is okay with it too.
1: Yeah. Like
0: if yeah, there- and I think
1: that's like the biggest my biggest uh issue with it, you know, is that I always I have to pick and choose almost like when to do that because I know once I do it, I usually don't have like a second chance, depending on like the hair and makeup artist... They're usually the ones that like shut that down. Um, but yeah, you know, like sometimes I try to start, you know, my initial like lighting, you know, portion of it where I cut the lights off and have everything ready. You know, I usually do that part when she's close to being done. But yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So like what I like to do is I, I tell the couples beforehand, like, listen, like I like to turn off the lights and use natural light. I'd say almost ninety nine out of hundred rooms, it's your eyes will adjust and it'll be enough light. It's very unless it's like a tiny window. In that case, sometimes like I'll just move the hair and makeup artist and just do a few mock shots where the lighting looks better. I've done I do this almost every wedding if this is the case, I because I know those shots just look better when I turn off the lights. So like for me, I don't even like to press record if there's tungsten and daylight coming in because I see their skin tones and it doesn't yeah. match anything else in my film. So, um, for me, it's just being, I guess, assertive in a way. And like, I've had photographers that are like, Oh, but the, you know, the makeup artist has this amazing ring light. And I'm like, some filmmakers might like the way it looks. I'm not like knocking it, but like, I think if you take, if you just wait and let the photographer do the shots, don't shoot like a photographer and wait for that
1: window with the natural light, it's going to look way, way better. That's a topic, bro. Um, don't shoot. And I think that filming weddings now for almost three years—we'll call it three years, two and a two full time—but filming them for this long, and I think you can attest to this. You know, um, I, I would get used to filming exactly what the photographer was shooting. It was like yeah. wherever my photographer was, that's where I was at. And uh, yeah, dude, couldn't agree with you more. Like getting out of that bubble and. Finding your own angle, finding your own frame, finding your own memory to capture is like, it's definitely- it's
0: like a lot of people are assistants to photographers. And okay, yeah, exactly. The, the, the other reason why you shouldn't film like a photographer and do everything that they're doing with the suggestions of the ring light and stuff like that is they have a flash. You know, we're not bringing I don't know many people that bring LEDs into bride prep or groom prep. Yeah. Uh, it's just it goes by fast, usually hour, hour and a half tops. And, like, you just really don't have the time. And plus, like, once you start to make it a bigger production, you're not going to get the natural moments. So yeah. I think, uh, honestly, my best advice for finding, like, the best light during bride prep, we can kind of go through the sections, right? Of, yeah, like, let's go the, the for sure. So, like, just to make it easier for everyone following, like, for bride prep, for me, I like to turn off all the lights. I like to have a clean spot uh, by the window. Um, sometimes I will take the initiative if I don't like the way the the room looks and there's too many people and or the light's just weird or something like that. I will literally be like, Hey, can we finish up the makeup shots in another room? Um, you know what I mean? Um,
1: cause for, for I pro- pull them out to do like those final, like, you know, like the stage shots, uh, in some, in a room that looks better, yeah. better lighting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like over over the years, I found that like with my films, I want my shots to match with uh, consistency with the white balance, with uh, the tones and stuff. So if I shot everything with natural light, and then all of a sudden I'm trying to transition from natural light where it's just like the skin tones look so good, and then go straight to tungsten, and then back to natural light, it's going to look abrupt when somebody's like watching it. So um, for me, it's not like. It's not that I'd rather like die than film it, but like I honestly, I'd rather just wait to get two good shots than sit there for fifteen minutes with a ring light and try to get one good shot. Because like I already know when I go into editing, I'm not going to like the way it looks. Right. That's that's just the way. I'm very selective with my shots, and like I, do, I know uh, it looks I do good.
1: Similar, you know. Like I want, I want, I have like a look that I go for, and I think you know, I'm still honestly, I feel like I'm still finding my style. Uh um, but for the most part, like I know I, I think about my color grade, you know, like how are these colors that I'm shooting, like how is that gonna be, you know, affected when I go to grade this footage? Um, and just to kind of piggyback off the, you know, turning the lights off, if I was in a scenario where maybe, you know, there is one tiny, tiny light or window and there's just not a lot of natural light coming in, um, usually what's worked for me especially in terms of color grading, is when I put the opposite color behind the talent. Um, so, like, for example, if I if I had to have light on, if it's behind, like, if there's a tungsten light in the background, like, for example, your set right now, that tungsten back there, it looks great because it's behind you, you know? And you can d you can you know uh color the main that. source is uh daylight cooler it's light daylight cooler lights. yeah exactly like it's literally exactly what your podcast setup looks like right now is exactly like kind of what i look at and i'll I'll white balance in the middle almost so we got a 3000 back there and your daylights you know either 56 or 65 i would yeah. white balance somewhere around 4500 4800 um where it's not too cool coming in but it's also not too warm coming in and then you can separate them in post but again that i guess could be more advanced if people are color grading you know i know um you nail white balance and i mean I like that's one that. thing I mean, that i noticed when our first time we you know we met was it's just like i'm like bro did you color grade this you're like no it's perfect white balance straight like, out of camera yeah
0: straight out I of have, the camera it's crazy I sometimes i mess with highlights and midterms a little bit but like um Honestly, like, I do use auto white balance, but if I just looks the, the thing is, we are so, this is like a little off topic, we are so reliant on technology and stuff. The thing is, you got to trust what your eye actually sees in the viewfinder or on the screen. Um, if you rely on everything that technology does... It's gonna it's a computer it can't exactly give you your eyes most likely better. So like for me with white balance, if it does look weird, I will take it off auto white balance and do it myself whether it's just daylight cloudy or just like a custom Kelvin. Um, but for the most part, why my white balance actually looks good good is because I go back to um, the whole uh, one light source uh, yeah. thing. So if I only have daylight coming in, I don't have to compete with tungsten coming in that, you know, is warmer. So that way my white balance is always consistent. Obviously if a cloud rolls by and stuff, you have to probably adjust for that if it's sunny. But for the most part, um, I know that it's not going to be shifted much. It just depends. If it's very partly cloudy to there, you, you might have to switch. But um, it's just little things, honestly, when it comes comes to that with the white balance
1: yeah and I mean it's it's clutch, you know, um, I use auto rarely, but I still use it if if for some reason, like I know I always go to like two certain specifics, like either fifty six hundred or thirty three hundred that's usually where I start, you know, if I'm inside thirty three hundred if I got daylight fifty six hundred, but if I can't figure out like why my whites aren't white and I've like went through the whole spectrum, then I'll find something that's like a neutral gray or white, and you know hit auto. Um and see what that does. But I yeah, I agree with you. Like if the camera, if the shot looks good, no matter what the settings are, if the shot looks good, like I trust that over, you know, my false colors or over right. my white balance or, you know, something like that. Like, because if it looks good and I'm I'm literally like seeing a good shot, a perfectly balanced image, I'm gonna run with that before I, you know, oh well, the camera says it's two stops underexposed yeah you know who cares my shots fire you know
0: <laughs> i i underexpose a lot and um because it just looks better to my eye it's not I, It's just like oh i want to underexpose it's just like when you start to blow out highlights i think it's it doesn't look i'm gonna throw the word around cinematic <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, over no, there. Word. but like if you um you know if you're not exposing for your highlights um I just think that it looks unprofessional. The photo, it looks. You're a light and airy photographer, and people will pay you thousands of dollars for video. It looks awful, in my yeah, opinion. It looks awful. I, um, I
1: don't personally like the bright and airy. Um, it's it's not my style. It makes great photos. It's just not. If I was a photographer, it I already know it wouldn't be the the style I would shoot. It'd be similar to the you know the more moody um, <laughs> cinematic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like, you know, blown out highlights, I think are what truly separates, uh, an experienced wedding filmmaker a filmmaker in general from, um, you know, a more amateur beginner, because that's like one of the things that you really have to pay attention to. And it's not just exposing for your highlights, but it's also exposing because if you got highlights behind you, it's exposing for that mid, you know, that mid level, the, yeah. um, you know, and and your shadows, you have to have like a happy medium. So it's, it takes skill, you know? And again, I keep saying- You can also
0: reposition yourself. If the highlights are blown out in a certain way, move to another
1: angle and have it more even. Um, It does take a lot of skill and experience So You're a, I always, I'm going to probably say this like 20 more times on the, on our call, but like your shots are like a, a testimony to that, man. Like you, you really nail where to place things, your detail shots, like, you know, where to position them so that the light hits it just right, how to, you know, have that perfect contrast ratio from shadows to highlights. I mean, it looks amazing. I appreciate that, dude.
0: I mean, it's just from, like, honestly, uh, bringing in the footage and not like it and being, like, changing something up over the years. I mean, I've done hundreds of weddings, so I have the experience, uh, and it just really trial and error um what it comes down to if anybody is like oh i don't like the way this looks or you know why is this not as you know cinematic or something like that like there's so many different it all comes down to light obviously frame and composition it's important too but like if you don't have good light you really don't have much um so finding good light see the we don't have a lot of time throughout the day to actually control the light on a wedding day. So during prep is actually, you know, the one part of the day where you control almost all the light. Um, And that's by turning off the lights on. It's so simple. Um, So I look forward to it and it kind of just helps me, um, you know, build the film off that. And like, uh, I I gave this example in a, in another uh, podcast I was in, but like, it was, I was talking about light and like, for instance, we had some time to do the letter and um, I didn't like how the light was coming in. So I completely moved the whole entire desk to be closer to the light source. Yeah, And uh, it matched all my other shots if I didn't do that. There was tungsten coming in from um, the kitchen. There's people getting ready. I didn't want to turn it off, but it was like this yeah. huge like floor. And like, it just looked much better. So I took the initiative of, I don't want this one clip to look that out of place so everything during prep matches it was that san diego film um that i just did and it was just like that little decision made the card reading that much better and like since his um letter had a lot of like great words into it it just it matched everything else it wasn't like oh wait why is the skin tones like orange now yeah um, so it's just like that little step can like enhance your film but you don't re- you really don't think about it until like you go through each clip and you're like, oh wait, why doesn't this yeah, match? You start that? to
1: realize what you don't like and what you should have done to fix it. So then it makes you more conscious. Like you know, another one, you know, the next weddings you shoot. That's a good point though that you just said, um, kind of rearranging, you know, things. And I think when I was first starting out, I was afraid to like do anything. Like I was afraid to make a scene. Right. Like I was afraid to be you know, in the front with my gimbal during the, you know, processions. And I was afraid to, you know, move a desk or move a chair and interrupt the bride or or stop the hair and makeup to bring them by lighting, you know? So I think that's really key. What you just said, I know it's completely off topic, but not speaking up and being able to take, you know, move things around to better suit or be, you know, closer to the lighting and better suit the shots and the framing that you're going for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's it starts from the first call you talk to the couple with. Um it's kind of like just planning and be like, "Hey, like listen, like during prep, like I like to use natural light. It's all in my films." And like I just work with usually one, two windows and like that's how it looks so beautiful. That's why there's silhouettes and like the light looks, you know, good. Um so like I I let them know this beforehand. and it's in every film. Like I don't have any just thin with like tungsten lights on of course if it's like a reaction shot and i can't control it it might still go in the film or possibly longer film um it's not that i won't like not press record on it but like the thing is is, like doing as much as you can the day before and when you get there like for me i like to be assertive when i know it'll actually make the film better um, right. And it's like from experience, like I'm like, no, this will actually look good if we do this. Like,
1: yeah, I yeah, will yeah,
0: give please. recommendations because I've I've seen it a hundred times. Um But yeah, dude, like prep. It's like I don't need too many shots and stuff. And like for the most part, it's like we're doing some details. The br- the bride's still getting ready, and like it's us just trying to capture natural moments and stuff. And like if you have the lights on, and it, um, the whole time. It, it necessarily and not necessarily will plunge into complete darkness people will get used to it uh if it's a tiny hotel room maybe just do it for the makeup shots because yeah. it's so sometimes there's like no lights whatsoever um so you just got to like feel the room and stuff but um i wouldn't say a maker breaks a film but like a lot of my films too have bright prep in it like a good amount of shots and so I like to control that aspect because the next phase we're going into, where we're talking about um, first looks and stuff, sometimes that could be inside by you know natural light depending on the weather. But most of the time, when we start, at least in the United States, even on the East Coast, a lot of times when we're doing first look, it might be around noon, one or two, and that is tricky lighting. So I think we should the, go into the worst that a overhead
1: bit. lighting for sure. Yeah. Um, I think so. Most of my first looks take place outside. I think every every bride wants it usually outside somewhere, you know, showing the venue. They always want to have the venue. I mean that's why they booked it. And so um my biggest thing is like literally the reason why I got the I bought the Pocket 6K Pro um is because of NDs. And believe it or not, there are a lot of people who don't use them and no you know, gripe to people who I don't use them. Use them. <laughs> you don't use them? No. no, no, no gripe, no. man. Like, okay. it, I use them.
0: I use them for the ceremony if it's outside. Everything else, for dialogue, I use it if it's outside. So it, it's, it's, it's it.
1: a pain if it's like, you know, and this is one issue I have when I have my Sony is, um, you know, I had the FS5, so I was so used to having built-in NDs for so yeah. long that it, it's hard to go to a camera that doesn't have it because, it's such an inconvenience. You got to thread on the indie when you run outside or if you know you're going outside, you got to thread it. And I color would, shifts. Yeah, color shifts. I mean, there's just so many different variables
0: talking about white balance and color shifts and stuff and finding a good light. It's almost like I found that it just hinders my films more and yeah. for what I shoot, um I've never had a couple say, "Oh, like maybe if they were sprinting, you know, it yeah. would look like it very noticeable, but I've never had a couple say or even like filmmakers, like um, I don't use them. Uh, I don't so know you, I,
1: I, I couldn't tell. You know, yeah. and that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Like, and, and again, it it makes, it, you know, if you know what you're doing in camera, and that's very, very critical that you understand your camera and what its capabilities are. And obviously, you do. I mean, you kill it. But that that's the a perfect point. You don't need ND filters. It's what I use. But if I'm you, intrigued if you by the area. If you want them. You do have, yeah. If I you do if you pick a area that has it, the FX six, the FX six, dude, it's but it built in ND filters are a game changer. It's just yeah. it's, it's simply put, it, it's a game changer. Absolutely, um, but yeah, you can find you know you can still shoot outside and not have an ND filter on. Um, but to me, I love the shallow depth of field, and most of my stuff I shoot. Unless it's like a bridal or like something that I know is like support like a couple portrait or something like that that's supposed to be slow mo, um, I shoot usually like thirty frames a second. So that's not a lot of, uh, you know, my shutter speed isn't crazy high. It's one sixtieth. Um, so I'll use ND so I can keep like a wide open, you know, t T2 two or t two point five. Nice. Shallow depth of field a
0: lenses for people that don't know. Is <laughs> oh a yeah, my bad.
1: F one point eight, <laughs> F two, you know, somewhere around there. Um, but yeah, you know, I use the ND filters just because it, you know, one to me, the way that I explain it to people who don't use it is, I personally feel like it softens, it gives me shade. Like honestly, like I, I can shoot at twelve, and the you know the photographer be like, oh no, that that's harsh lighting. And I'll go to, like, an ND 4 and position my couple, and it's, like, perfectly balanced. Like, I mean, yeah. it looks amazing. And, uh, you know, it's just things like that, especially when you got those crazy hot spots and, like, clouds and, you know, maybe you're shooting into a building and the building is bright on the front or it's got, like, you know, some sort of pattern that's blown out. Um, you know, it kind of helps get rid of all that and still be able to maintain a really, really shallow depth of field. Yeah, man. I
0: I I definitely, like... For NDs outside for ceremony, like I, since I like to shoot like wide open too for some of my shots, like yeah. even if it's super bright and my shutter speed's at eight thousand, and like I can't shoot past two point eight on the brightest day ever, I can't shoot past two point eight. It'll start to be overexposed, and it, that's not the look I like. So like I will bring them out at times to get the, like the exposure I want. For me. So how do you I,
1: normally do it? Like for uh for like your first looks and stuff, since uh like you say you don't use them for that. How do you, what's your method for uh balancing the shot?
0: Um just usually, you know, going for shade. Um it really depends, but like usually it's shade. Um but sometimes it's indoors, but like by a window. Um it really depends, like with a photographer. Cause I'm not I mean, the first look it's not like 2-2, it's important, right? But, like, it's not, like, it's a couple of seconds in the film. So, like, I'm not going to, like, fret over it if it makes or doesn't make it um, into, like, the short film. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I guess it just, it, it depends on what the photographer wants to do. Usually, if I mention shade, they go for it. Um, it just depends on a couple things. Um, but, yeah, with first look, honestly, it's never been, like, oh, this is, The most emotional, sometimes it is super emotional, but, like, it's never been, like, I have to worry about it too much. For me, the portrait session matters so much more. Um, And sometimes a portrait session does happen after first look. Uh, It just depends on it. Like, honestly, when I talk to my couples, if we can, I like to film two hours before sunset for the portrait session. Um, I really want to go into that because with like, with weddings, that might be a variable you could possibly control, um, when you do portrait session for me, I know that like, I'm going to use a ton of those shots during the portrait session. And like, usually that might align depending, you know, if guests are arriving to the venue or like that. And like, I like to get natural, uh, interactions when people are seeing each other for the first time. So, like, if I could, like, get soft light where it's angled, it's not on top of their head anymore, it's kind of angled off to the side over here, and, like, it's coming down, like, I will press record for those two hours and, like, get every shot possible because I just know that is the look and tone that I want for the film. Yeah, um, I agree. It, it kind of matches Brad Prep, right? because it's, it's uh, the lighting that you can control. But obviously, this doesn't happen with every wedding. You can't necessarily control their timeline or like give suggestions. Sometimes you just go, and it's it's a live event. It's a live day. You just go with everything. Um, these are just some suggestions that I found from over the years. Like I started doing some car commercials, and it's just like at first they wanted to do them at like noon or 1 because it fit their time better. And then I was like, no, we're doing it literally. We're starting two hours before sunset, and the footage was a hundred times better. It's just the like, light softer. The, the and-
1: sunset does make, and it gives you. Um, I almost feel like it. It just makes. So my issue when I do like a a, a first look, um, you know, in the shade, like you brought up, or like under a tree, what drives me crazy is that I usually can't use an ND because it's shaded, so it looks great. But then, if that weird hot spot, like that branch, just moves over just a little bit, and then that hot spot hits the dress, there's no fixing it. And so that's why, I, for sure. You, and you know, just a comment on your, you know, like your your um, the car commercial shooting at high noon. It's the same exact thing. Like the lighting, especially at 12, 1, one, two o'clock. You know, you got clouds. Everything is just active at that time. You know, yeah. so like you would have, you know, really really perfectly balanced shot and then 2 seconds later the cloud covers it mid shot and now you got to reshoot or something like that. And on a wedding, you don't have that luxury. It's, you know, I'm I'm either, you know, filming right now, everything looks great and then a hot spot hits and I just I have to live with it. There's no there's no it's going so back, tricky. you know. And like the yeah. tip for
0: hot spots like for anyone that's a filmmaker is just exposed for the skin. If the dress is blown out, there's honestly the skin and you could probably come back a little bit, but like it's tricky, man. Like I rule of thumb is exposed for the skin. I've, I've tried both ways multiple times and like, it's the skin. And as much as you don't like the look of the whole image in its entirety, the there's not much you could do unless you move them. Into there's not much.
1: Life. And usually the emotion, you know, takes over and wins, you know, the shot anyway, but artistically, you know, that's what Always gets me whenever I have a photographer and they're like, Yeah, let's we're gonna do the first look under this beautiful oak tree. And I'm like, "Mm, No, we're not, we're gonna do it over here (laughs) just because I don't want to take the risk, especially if I know like you know the groom's emotional or stuff like that. Like, I literally get like almost a high when there's good emotions that take place, like you know, dad cries, you got bridesmaids crying, like that's the stuff that like brings me back to film weddings. And I want that shot perfect. Like, I want the colors to be perfect. I want the exposure to look great. I want my lighting in the background to look great. You know, I want, you know, whatever the framing is, I want all of that to look amazing. Um, And so that's like one of the scary things is whenever we shoot under a tree, like I've had it happen so many times where it's we put them in a perfect spot and then it just opens up as soon as we hit record and the moment starts. It's just like nothing but straight harsh sunlight shines in.
0: Yeah. And another tip is, uh, there's this app on, uh, the iPhone store. It's app. Yeah. Yeah. It's called sun calc. And like you could see where the sun kind of set in and stuff like that. And like, it just helps you with like knowing exactly, especially if it's a place that you're not used to, you're not sure where it, obviously, you know, it's, it sets in the West and like all that stuff. You like know this going in, but like, it just helps to be like directional be like, Oh, it's going to be literally right here. And if it's coming in from this angle over here, shooting right there, you know, it's going to look good. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, with weddings, like there's only so much you can control. So with first look, um, then it's usually bridal party and then potentially some portraits. Um, but usually how it's structured out and it depends on the time of the year, too. Right. Like I actually with the winter weddings, there's a handful of them on my website, actually, that, you know, that I'm showcasing right now
1: but yeah. the fall winter weddings 430. are 30. Yeah. So
0: like I've had bride prep actually where there's no window light and like, you know, this is just where they were getting ready. And like, you know, it's since I was already filmed there and there's a lot of like natural, like human emotion. I didn't switch it up. Yeah. So that was just like a stylistic thing. Like, you know, everything, everybody's comfortable in this room, the light, it was manageable and stuff like that. Like the overhead lights, it wasn't that bad. So like there's times where it's just like I rolled with it. And then by the after the ceremony, it was Amy and Daniel, the one with um on my website. But um by the time we got out of the ceremony, there was like one or two shots that I got of them, and then we had to drive to the venue and it was pitch black. So it's so like we are in control
1: of light, especially in the winter. Like it gets really, really tricky. Um, but especially the, the blue hour comes, so like you'll have it's almost like you got like 30 minutes of golden hour and then it's just straight blue after that. You know, it's crazy how fast, you know, that sunset to blue hour is, is to me anyway, it's a lot, it's a lot faster in the winter time, you know, winter fall than it is in the summer. Oh, absolutely.
0: And then um, it depends on the season, obviously, but like during cocktail hour is actually a lot of people, you know, they focus on getting the room set up, get the establishing shots for the room, I don't run through cocktail. I don't get pictures of the food. Like, I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah. I, in I'd the
1: rather. beginning, I did. There's so yeah. many things that <laughs> I did. <laughs> there's so many things that I shot in the beginning that I, like, I don't even think about it on the wedding day. Like, yeah. you know, I, I would get shots of, like, the you know the cake ta- the cake table yes I get shots of the cake yeah but yeah. I don't get shots of like the you know the finger food or like you know the strawberry fountain like I just <laughs> you know I'm not getting slow mo clips of people eating their you know their steak or whatever the 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 di- the dinner was. Um, and i used to 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 get all of that stuff i used to think like nah i gotta film all the way through the entire day no breaks. that's what it is
0: man because it's like (laughs) uh, it goes back to this following the photographer the whole day or just like i need to record everything and the thing is is like the person that hired you they like their your vision your style right and like for me they're not gonna see a strawberry fountain any of my films and they're still booking me (laughs) Exactly. Um, you know if there's something happening by the strawberry fountain and or you know they want a quick like a yeah. uh, clip of it and they literally request it the thing is with video they don't request much with photo they're getting all these requests of oh we have to have this picture we have to have this with video i've never had somebody be like oh like they'll tell me like of events of like how the ceremony is going to be run or like oh like there's a special speech those are the requests i get i don't get like oh you got to do like yeah this you get a
1: shot of our tables yeah no <laughs> yeah. it's it's a yeah. photographer
0: thing so i mean just that alone that's videographers, photographers, completely different. Um, so we could focus on different things. Um, and that kind of brings me to, okay, you do the portraits, golden hour, obviously, everyone tries to go for it. The light looks amazing. Um, I like to get some silhouettes. I like to get, you know, some shots facing directly into the sun. It just depends on the season too. Like sometimes golden hour follows certain cocktail hour in late summer, I think. So like sometimes certain cocktail hour, it's actually when I get the most shots actually for my film. And like, people are like, wait, like people eat it. It's not necessarily people eating; it. It's people being natural for the first time. Cause usually during the ceremony, people are like, they embrace, it's like, Oh my God, I haven't seen you in a while. Think about right. yourself at a wedding when you feel the most natural and comfortable.
1: Uh, right after this. Yeah. You get, you get a couple right drinks, mingling.
0: And, yep. or like, um, with, if they do an exit outside the church or something like that, a lot of people are completely natural and they don't even realize that you're there. Uh, a lot of the times um, the guests are outside and stuff and they're seeing each other for the first time. And usually by then the lights a little bit lower or the sun's coming down a little bit. And yeah. you can kind of shoot in a way that just like, I like to shoot into the sun actually when the light gets lower. Oh, yeah,
1: I love when the, the sun, especially light. during golden hour, when it's like kissing the back, you know, it's like the perfect hair light. Um, but yeah, I love shooting into it. I, I want to get a black pro mist so that I could get more of like the. Try the one eighth. I, w- I want one. Yeah. I want one so bad. They're out of stock. For different my intensities. Yeah. I don't want, uh, I don't want to do the, my, one of my buddies uses like the big matte box. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be that guy. Like, This becomes too much. Yeah, it's already too much. I show up with a, with a an Ursa, and I'm like, this huge. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> big I already two. feel. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always keep it inside, so it doesn't look, you know, nearly as big. But like, bro, it's already. I already feel like I got way too much going on. So the last thing I need to do is add this, you know, massive mat box to the front, and that's just too much.
0: Yeah, no, I hear that. I mean, this is a whole different topic, but like minimal equipment is my thing, um, and it just goes with like. How, how i get natural shots a lot and like um yeah. but that's a whole different topic i've I've talked about it in other podcasts but um yeah dude um promis, it's 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 interesting to use if you use any type of uh thing that softens highlights and stuff um typically it looks better for skin tones um i personally use it um i don't really tell people i use it they kind of just like so that's oh, the is, it, is that
1: promise that off secret right it's, there it's uh
0: you know, I, I use it for every single lens. And the the thing that's uh people have to realize is on an eighteen millimeter, it's not gonna be as strong as if you're using it on a one thirty-five prime. Yeah. As you go up in the focal length, it gets a little more intense. Even though you're not changed, say your intensity is one eighth. Um the twenty-five is gonna have a less of effect than a one thirty-five. Um, so that's something to consider. Um and then one fourth, it's it's kinda like it's super baked in. So it's like you, that's almost just a stylistic choice if you're going to go more in, intense than one eighth. Um, But yeah, that's a whole different, that's just like an, an accessory you can use to soften highlights and like make it look a little bit better. Um, but dude, I, there's there's so much that goes into these things. And like the other thing I noticed with like uh, Pro Mist that I think a downfall is, is if you don't like a lot of flares and stuff, um, sometimes you get a lot of ghosting. So you got to kind of work with that, especially if you're shooting directly into the sun. So you got to work on different angles and stuff like that. So it's kind of just like balancing act for me. Cause like, I like how it takes the digital feel off of it and makes it look more filmic, but like at the same time you cinematic. get a lot cinematic, right? <laughs> but it you get a lot more ghosting and you get more flares with it, but flares can be cool. And certain, like you get different, like uh light rings with it. Um, you just got to make sure that you know it's you're aware of that because if like for instance I remember the first time I used it years ago like I was shooting a speech and like one of the lights was coming in a certain way and I was already locked down and it was my only safe shot and it was like an 85 or something like that or like a a longer prime lens and like it was already locked off, and I had this crazy ghosting coming in. And I know if I didn't have the filter on, it wouldn't. So, like, it does play with light. So, I guess this is related to light a little bit, like these filters. Um, oh. But, um, yeah, dude, like, going back to cocktail hour. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, dude, uh, yeah, I, I was going
1: to a... I was gonna ask while well, I was going into the reception. But, um, so, yeah, cocktail hour, I, I like to film it. I don't usually – it just depends because – you know, I either am setting up for the reception or whatever's going to take place at the reception or if we're live streaming or stuff like that. So sometimes I don't film it, but I do, I love filming the cocktail portion, especially if it's a big mingling group. Like if everybody's walking around laughing, you know, having drinks, the bridal party usually gets done with photos pretty early. So they join. Um, and So I try to follow, you know, the bridal party and, you know, family members around like mom and dad or whatever. Um, and get some of those natural reactions as like a transitioning piece. Because I always try to find a, a clever way to yeah. bounce from, you know, the ceremony to the reception rather instead of it just being like a hard cut, you know?
0: Yeah. What I do, this isn't really to delight, but what I do, like one of my secrets is um, I like to, it's called, a, I think it's called a pillow shot in filmmaking. And um, basically what it is, is just a still shot. Of something to slow down the pace in and bring you into a new thing so it doesn't have yeah. movement it's literally just a still shot that will slow down the tempo and bring you into the next scene so that's what i do with that but uh going back to kind of like you know getting those natural reactions during like cocktail and stuff like if somebody looks like they're having a great time and you're kind of filming on a longer lens that's what i do i film on a longer lens most of the day to get those natural shots but um If they just feel like they're in the moment, whatever that might be, whether it's conversation, um, you know, doing a doing a toast with all their buddies, or just like a natural embrace, like a hug, that shot can go anywhere in the film, and that it's just like a lot of people are skipping over these moments that like these shots can go anywhere. And I see a lot of um, depends on the wedding, of course. Like if they have a lot of guests, like it's it's been hard to document weddings recently because everyone's wearing a mask you can't see their natural you know yeah. reaction to anything so uh for me it's been a little bit tricky with that but um when you get somebody in their natural uh you know habitat it kind of just that can go at any part of the film i feel like because um it, it's, there's just something about somebody laughing and it's just like you can get, find the dialogue that matches it. And like yeah. it you can always works.
1: take, You can always tell the difference between like one of those organic, I just had a, a, a funny moment laugh in time versus a, oh my god, I'm being filmed and I laugh, yeah. you know? Like yeah. you can you you notice those emotions and those reactions so much better. Oh, I absolutely. think you actually when we when we we first officially like talked last year, right? I believe it was last I year. I think it
0: was a year ago we met in that was networking like right group. During and...
1: COVID. Um yeah. so I think you're the reason that I actually switched to primes. Um, because Brilliant. I think I told you nice. back then that, yeah, I, I've always wanted to do it. Like there are, and this could be a whole different topic, right? Primes versus zooms. Yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, there's a bunch That's of different a good one, actually. reasons. One. It is a good one. You should do it. Especially because like, I, like I said, you, you're one of the reasons why I decided to do it. Um, but yeah, there's so many reasons why I always wanted to shoot with a prime. Um, one being that you usually get way better bokeh. Your, your depth of field is so much better. True. Um, it's usually and sharpness I know isn't something that for filmmakers that you really should care about a, a ton. Like it's not I like the, the sharpness on my camera,
0: like negative on the Sony.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Of that. yeah. Um, but as far as like it, being sharp, like capturing a good looking image, you know, it's just, there's so many reasons. Lighting, it absorbs light completely different. I've, I've done tests with like 2.8 on a prime and 2.8 on a zoom. And I, I kid you not, I was like a half a stop brighter on my prime. Um, so there's just a lot of different benefits to it, but, um, shooting with the primes and shooting with like a, a, a long distance. It gives you prime. better, uh, low light
0: too. Cause we're talking
1: yeah, about light. Better, better <laughs> low light, better low light. Um, yeah dude i so one of my favorite things is i love shooting through through the crowd so like i love shooting like what's happening three tables away uh but shooting through the people that are engaging right in front of me like they think i'm talking i'm filming them and i'm like all the way across yeah a lot of foreground yeah, yeah super, super super off topic but yeah i just i love being able to do that and capture those like you know, foreground elements, but from a distance, you know, like you said, they don't notice that they're being filmed. Then they watch it back and they're like, oh my God, I didn't even know I was like doing all that, you know? So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, man. It's, the, there's so much, I, I, I'm i happy that you use primes, honestly. Um, oh yeah. Another thing that you start to notice, and we'll, we'll go back to Lighting in a second, but like um, with primes, you don't really... You kind of figure out, okay, I use this focal length during portraits. I use this during the ceremony when the bride comes in. I use yeah. this, that, and that. And, like, I bring, I think I bring four primes. I bring a 24, a 55, 85, 135. So, four lenses I bring. Yeah. To And, like, they each have their role for each part of the day. Uh, that would be a really cool podcast. I like primes. You like, should do it. Yeah, I solo it. shoot we weddings with primes. And I, I know a lot of people, they typically don't do that because, you know, what happens if you got to move back? You know, you're the only shooter. Uh, so I have a way around that. I I don't mind sharing my secrets, but uh, we'll talk about that. But yeah, let's get back on track with the light in for cocktail. The and then we're going to reception. Yeah, dude, let's I want to hear your insight because I know with a lot of you know American weddings. There's a lot of uplighting, and I have my whole spiel on that because if there wasn't uplighting, I'd do things completely different with my lighting. Um, yeah. What I bring to a wedding, honestly. Um, so, what's your take on the reception lighting?
1: So, reception lighting, I I bring typically I, I bring four lights, and depending, I always try to work with the DJ because um, I know you've been to a wedding where. Everything was going great, and then they cut the budget on the DJ, and the DJ just has like a laptop and a speaker. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Like I've (laughs) I've had I've had a couple of like gorgeous venues, man. Like there's one here in Texas, one of my favorite venues. It looks like a castle. It's up on a hill, Um, and yeah, man. Like their DJ legit had like one. It was like one disco light that just spent, you know, kind of disco light, nice. That was it. It was, it was legit. Well, it wasn't a disco, but it, it was like, you know, moving all kinds of crazy ways. Um, But it was like on one stand, it was one light. And I was like saying to myself, well, thank God I brought, you know, I bring four just in case I need to do like, you know, I like my own dance floor, um, you know, and, but again, I try to work with the DJs as much as I can. I use the aperture 300s. Um, usually all of them are around, you know, the main time that I take control of it and this is where I, this is usually the main time that I'm super assertive with placement and lighting and you know I kind of take that specific moment is like the toast uh first dances cake cutting I I mean I I film it but I don't really care about it I don't think you know I've never had a bride sometimes I forget to even put the cake cutting in there um but usually toasts and the first dances Primarily the toast because I, I I love editing what's being said about the couple. Yeah, the toasts toast are important. Very important. And so, you know, I don't want you know, if I if I can help it, I don't want the DJ behind us. I don't want there to be yeah. trash cans behind us. I don't want the you know the uh caterers to be coming in and out of the kitchen so there's just so many things that i I try to prevent there's
0: there's a lot of steps because actually when you think about it like you could have the lighting perfect you have them position perfect if you use a mic stand but then you have the people running food the whole time and depending on how what your bokeh is sometimes you i just have the person with the food tray or like they're just like standing there back there i'm like go go like move and like they have no idea what's going on so it's like we have to focus on lighting we have to make sure our audio is not clipping before the toast even begin. We got to make sure that the person is going to stay in that spot. We got to make sure we have at least two angles, a safe and a tight potentially on, um, you know, the speaker. So, and then we have to worry about outside factors, like somebody running food that might cut across the camera. And like, you literally cannot, you literally cannot, if a kid runs across, there's literally nothing you can do unfortunately there's nothing you could do so what i do is like as long as they're not knocking over the tripod it is now part of your wedding video if the kid is jumping up and down you know what's funny though is like you'll still be, be able to use the the dialogue but the couple will love as long as they don't hate the kid will love that yeah. they did that because that was yeah, funny to yeah. them right yeah so yeah. but for us we're freaking out because we want everything to look perfect but i found over the years is like they're like, oh, in that funny moment with the kid. And like, I was not funny. I was sweating bullets at that time, right? <laughs> but like, they don't necessarily care. It's just like we were talking before this podcast started, kind of like, uh, how your like colors looked kind of different. But the emotion was really good on this one shot you were telling me about. And it's just like the couple won't won't know because the emotion overrides it. Same thing with the person giving the speech, the emotion's gonna override it. And like if there's a kid running around, you're probably going to get a really good laugh reaction. So instead of freaking out, look for the laugh reaction for the couple. Right. Yep. I mean, there's ways to kind of like counteract it. Um, but yeah, dude, let's let's go. There's so much. I mean, with the reception, there's so much that we can break. There's so many down.
1: variables. You know, I... Um other than setting up I set up four lights and I know there's a lot of filmmakers that don't there's some filmmakers I know you do a minimal setup so I'm I'm super um curious on how you film your receptions yeah um and I depending on my venues too also you know depends on how I place my lights sometimes I like to plug them in sometimes I run them on V mounts but um I always or I, I will say I started doing it like 100% of my weddings even like my basic wedding package I bring them because in my eyes i don't want to put out anything that's lesser quality um so i bring them you know it is what it is but i i started doing this like last probably october where at the very minimum i have two lights that kind of cross each other so i, I usually have one at the back of the dance floor shining across and then the other one on the exact opposite side shining in that way if i do need to on the fly there's somebody that's like oh i want to say something for my bride and groom I can just hit my remote and it crosses. So I have like a pretty decent hair light and a pretty decent fill light. So I'll have them, you know what I mean? Like instead of putting them both in the front, which most people do, which I did in the beginning, what I ended up finding out was that I didn't have anything back here and it looked off, especially if the DJ doesn't, if the DJ has good lighting, like stage lighting, um, you'll notice most DJs only put their lights up right in front of them, like by wherever they're standing. So your light's always coming from one side. So if they're in the back of the dance floor, it'll always be backlighting. If they're on the side, you'll have weird RGB side lighting. So you need something to almost counteract that on the opposite direction. And that, you know, is kind of how I set up mine to to prep for that, you know?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, so I used to bring two lights a lot because of like, I thought I had to include the whole entire introduction of people walking in and stuff. And it's just like, For me, I don't want to change the ambience of the room too much because it goes with like a lot of couples they book me because um, I'm very minimalistic and I don't bring too much gear to weddings. So just like a lot of people have the stigma as a wedding videographer. Oh, it's this huge lights and um, huge camera, (laughs) which um, no, but like the rolling tripods, just like the whole thing where it's like, Literally, yeah, the the over the it's not even like it's okay to bring lights to weddings and still keep the ambience. It's the people that like put the lights on the cameras themselves and shine it in people's face on the dance floor. There's a lot so of times I do
1: that. Well, I do it. I do it. It's not uh so. I you you know the aperture MCs. Yeah, yeah. So it's it. super me. super soft lighting. I mean, it's super soft, like and it looks gorgeous. Um, it does like, I, so I used to use a light, right. And you're going to laugh at me. I used to use like, I young mean, new. it was probably, it was probably like a 12 by 12, bro. Like
0: <laughs> yeah, <the young laughs>
1: every time I would cut it on, uh, yeah, basically every time I cut it on, um, you'd have like the reaction would, would be like this of the people I'm filming, like, oh, you know, like, Oh my God, I like, cut that off, you know? Um, but now like the aperture light is so soft and usually I only have it at like 30% yeah. and it what it does especially when i have those two lights from the outside shining in it adds like the perfect fill. so if i'm filming in between so if my lights are going this direction and i'm filming this direction it just fills them in it's so soft though It looks so beautiful um it's an but, interesting yeah. approach
0: because like for me like i could see how like for just from a lighting perspective that would be a little bit more perfect but like For me, um, it just goes back to my stylistic choice. At the end of the day, like, I'd rather... It depends. Honestly, I'm cool with either hair light or just, like, the light just barely hitting them, outlining them for the first dance. And I so going back to the whole thing is, like, honestly, I wish I could do a wedding without lights. Um, But with a lot of American weddings, once you start putting those RGB... uh, uplighting that's like purple and stuff I need to you know counteract that so that's the only reason I bring lights I know how lights can make it look better yeah. but it also I've never had somebody say a couple say oh that's lit so well or like something like <laughs> yeah. that. at the end of the day like I've never heard that. I know it, it will look better for a filmmaker and yeah. stuff but like um I still bring lights no matter what they're in my car it just depends on um exactly how needed they are yeah and how much time it takes to set up because it goes you know if there's that natural interaction during cocktail hour that i know is going to build the story i'd rather have that than uh focus on putting up three lights and all these different like huge lights so like for me i bring a little carbon fiber tripod it goes i think like 12 feet in the air i am between uh the king tv bolton and fresnel um, which is, you can like focus in the beam and like use the barn doors to cut light. So, the reason I like that a little bit more than the Core Torch SWX is um, because for me, it goes again, the stylistic choice of being more minimal and kind of like blend in with the whole thing. Um, so, that like I'm not going based on what honestly looks too good, it's going based on what is gonna you know be easier for me on the wedding day and help me get better results so it's kind of like a counteracts it, a little bit it's 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 a weird approach but like this past no, year, it, I've, it, I've been i've been like going back and forth with it and just like i it comes down to if there wasn't uplighting i would not bring a light because i have so a so nice I, and of I, I love uh
1: unless it's like so every now and then I'll, I'll get one where the uplighting is doing that weird flicker. Like maybe they have like, yeah. you know, white, sh- you know, a lot of them are low quality chin. too. they're super low quality. So it's hard, it's hard to even shoot, you know, where that is your backlighting. Um, and yeah, that, that would be a perfect example to when you would want to have some That's sort of like. bigger yeah. light source. Yeah. Other Another reason that, I yeah. like them is they, uh they help with, And I know you do a lot of, uh, you know, more white balance uh, correction, like you literally nailed the shot um, in camera. And I do a lot of color correcting uh, in post, um, not because my white balance is off. I just, you know, how my films look. I try to boost the colors. Um, But one thing that I've learned when I, even when I have my like A7 III, which is 8-bit, was that the... My lights, my aperture lights literally rendered my skin tones so much better, even though they're like i they're completely out of the way like they're nowhere near the dance floor, they're up high and i I only use the um the what is it the reflector and uh it shines out it spreads evenly um it you know and again, I try not to take away from the natural lighting in the area. The only time I boost it is for my toast like that's the only time that I'm like, okay, I need this to look good. Um, but it's one moment, and then after that, like the party scene and stuff like that, the lights usually are off. But yeah, you know, I try my hardest to to keep it all. Um, I guess, like you said, style your style. Um, your yeah, it, it goes. There's so many different
0: ways why you should light yeah. a certain way. Um, it goes with the tone. Honestly, it's the tone. Um, I know that the reception footage, it's it's gonna look a little bit different. But like my whole thing is natural, so like. If it kind of if if they look blue from the uplight, and I need to change that. I'm sorry, that skin tone is horrendous. I need to put a light. Other than that, if it looks natural and it's just string lights over the dance floor, I'd rather just rock with that and potentially a hair light and like put it on a low intensity because I think uh, when we first start out, we make the mistake as filmmakers of blasting the light. Dude, I have a yeah, softbox 100%. on right now. It's on five percent, and I just boost yeah. the ISO a little bit and put the uh, f-stop at two and surprise daniel schiffer this uh youtuber i'm sure you've heard of him oh yeah um i kind of got this from one of his videos but he was talking about lighting stuff for like you know youtube or whatever he started putting you he put a difference between putting your light at 60 percent, and i think his example was like dialing it down to like 20 to 25 percent if you just boost the iso there's something about when light is too harsh even if it's soft which we don't use soft lights we use hard lights but especially with hard lights if you start doing it too much you're gonna notice um you know there's more of those imperfections during um the speeches and stuff like that like so for me it's like i kind of let my camera do the magic and like you'll you'd honestly be surprised like if you were to light the first dance or even like the speech at like a lower intensity and like check with it before you do this on a wedding day, obviously, oh, yeah. but like, you'll notice that they are perfectly lit. And like, I think the lighting just looks better when it's not nuked. Um, that's, that's my opinion, but like, you can make it look good either way. It's just for me. I like the, like the more contrasty, like, I don't like, yeah. I wouldn't, Like, for instance, this light right here, it's not, like, straight on, it's over here. I like it where it's, like, not full with, like, I like contrast where it's off to the side or not full on. Because once it's full on, it becomes flat to me. Mm -hmm. Um, You like that good roll-off, yeah. Yeah, I like the roll-off with it. And, like, I can kind of control that. So, like, if I'm doing details before the reception... Um, I, I don't like to sh- put the light right next to me. And then my tripod right next to me when I shoot details and pull focus from one, uh, table to the next, if I was getting like the cake or something like that, I like to put it off to the side of the table on this side. And I shoot this way or like angle like that. If you go like this and this, then you start to get very flat image. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just a simple tip you pick up on after uh, a couple weddings, but like, um, yeah i I don't like anything flat I'd say with like I'd rather have a hair light just for dancing and just keep the
1: ambience that is like yeah. my that that's exactly yeah. usually during like the the party time where they're like opening up the dance floor um I put the lights at like you usually in general they're not higher than like fifteen percent i would say yeah um and that that would be if they if they had to go a good like the reach needed to be out right um that's when i would raise it but like for the most part the dance floors are all like around the same you know size you know in general um and yeah like usually like 5 to 10% especially with the 300s is like way more that's than that's powerful light yeah it's a powerful light and if you got two of them i mean we got 20% light coming in yeah. at that point you know you don't need a lot um but yeah i love to have like that hair light especially when you when you got like your bride and groom or any of the couples dancing And you shoot into that light, and you have like this flares and stuff. You have the flare, you have a ring that wraps around them. Um, You know, the only time that I don't do it, and you brought this up, is if they have really cool, like if the venue has cool lighting, um, you know, and this is a big point that I picked up on just studying cinematography, is that I try to make the light complement what's there. Yeah. Not like Instead become of a new light source. Right. Yeah. yeah, you know, like I, I'm not gonna show up and put all four lights up because I got four lights and blast them at a hundred percent. But if the venue has like really cool, you know, like my Cancun wedding, they had really cool rope lighting, and yeah. the only thing that I ran was um my aperture light, my uh you know the little MC at 3,300 Kelvin, right? And, uh, that was it. That was all I need. The ground, the floor was lit. Like it had cool lighting, so there was nothing extra that needed to be, you know, manipulated to, to make the shots look good. Um, but on the flip side, if there is a venue that, you know, like the DJ doesn't have cool lights or maybe it has really bad, you know, flickering light up lighting, um, or just nothing is like flattering about the image, you know, then, and then you I would to, add yeah. these just to give it some sort of, especially when they dim the house lights and you can see in your, you know, in the shots that it's like pitch black out in the distance, But, like, right here in the foreground is lit really nice. Or you got these hair lights or uh, maybe DJ lighting. Look look for lights,
0: uh, candles in the background, too. That could add really good bokeh, too. That's another tip. Um, Just all these things go into it. And, like, your background, just just in general, looking for, you know, the candles or if there's, like, trash. Like, you already mentioned that earlier. Like, it's so good to look for these things because um, it's just going to make your – composition framing and and the image looks so much better in my opinion um did you there's because you
1: said trash there um i i I kid you not i couldn't tell you how many times i don't know why garbage cans exist in the front like most like a lot of the texas venues there's there's like you gotta watch for exit signs too exit signs um exit signs i mean you can't really do much about that other than frame better uh but the trash cans are always in the front like they're always like we don't need them anywhere near the dance floor i get it the yeah. thought process is like oh we're drinking we're going to throw our disposable cup away and go get another one right but, like as soon as i get there right before the reception starts i i literally go look at my dance floor and i'm like all right cool these stands need to go this you know my you know if i got cases and stuff out or if the uh bartenders got stuff a lot of the caterers will have those huge racks that they carry all the like food and stuff in on right, and, the, and they'll just be yeah, like the up by the door yeah the big trays so i get rid of all like i literally observe the dance floor and try to make sure because that's where you're going to spend 90 percent of your evening is on the dance floor you know um and you want all those shots to be as clean background you know as possible
0: yeah, absolutely. I think this is all like good information. The last thing I just want to add, and then we'll like wrap this up because we kind of went through it throughout the whole day, you know, but um, when you are setting up with the DJ and you're hooking up audio, one thing that I found that made my film so much better, and sometimes it still happens, even though I told the DJ, what is, what are you going to do for lighting? Because some of them like to control lighting. They put on, the couple actually pays for this, like clouds or like the light moving where it's those circles yeah. on the couple. And if you have a light, suggest that you light it yourself. Tell the DJ you I want to light it myself. It'll look so much better. And they might say that it's a couple cool with that and most likely they will be. But sometimes you'll be surprised couples do pay for these add-ons. So like it's just like one of those things maybe discussing with a couple beforehand or just like talking to the DJ and like figuring out what they do for lighting because sometimes, I don't know if it's just common in New Jersey, but uh, the DJ is right across from the sweetheart table. And sometimes they have those lights on those, um, like, high-rise steel yeah. beams that they have. And they try to light the toast. And the thing is, if they're not high enough and somebody's in the middle of the dance floor, like us or the photographer or the major D, you get shadows. Yeah. So you got to see... Are like you got to be like, Hey, I'm going to like the first dance. I'm going to like the speeches. I don't need your lights. If anything, you could shine your lights up to the the top for the first yeah. dance. And if it's white, it'll be a great, like, um, you know, soft light. But like, I've had a DJ literally turn it on mid dance. And then all of a sudden you're overexposed because you're exposed to your yeah. lights.
1: So like, and their no lights DJ usually are important. just one setting. It's just like a hundred percent or off. Like there's no, yeah. there's no happy medium when they hit them. Um, i always ask actually i'm glad you said that we you know that's a good point i always ask um how can they control the lights because one thing that i love doing is shooting with i love having like some sort of color in the background um again this is like these are things that i picked up as i like continue to practice cinematography um but it's like creating color contrast through my image um and so i love asking the dj if if they do have lights if they're able to be one color if they're able to be because some djs will have you know lights that can be moved where like they can like point and direct them in a certain direction um they can have them flash like you can just control them like different ways they have different effects right so what i love asking is if if we could have because i don't want them to have a white light i'd rather them have like you know really cool like you know, red or a teal or something that's just like, that just pops, you know, like if the if the bride and groom's uh, like boutonniere is like a, a hot pink or, you know, maybe they got like yellow or something like that. I try to like do something that's complimentary. Um, but I personally love having it in the back as like a, you know, backlighting or hair light. It wouldn't necessarily be a hair light, if it's too low but just having it back there you can see it like this red coming in from the side yeah. um you know you can see if that was white it wouldn't look as cool it still looked good yeah. but, like if it was just white it'd be like ah okay cool but like it's red so it's like it just makes the shot almost you know more um I don't know, I don't know how to even explain it but like i love asking if if they can control their dj lighting um, or if they have specific like up lighting that we can do, um, you know, turn on and off. Like that's one thing I would definitely say for anybody is to just find out and be good friends with the DJ. Um, you know, don't come off uh aggressive. I know I have a lot of I have a lot of DJs that just assume that, you know, I don't know anything about anything other than a camera. And I like I if that makes them feel better, I just I let them run with it because at the end of the day, I need them to be on my side so that I get um, my shots. Dialogue lighting, dialogue audio. The fact that they're not
0: uh, starting the toast before, like say you're eating and they're gonna start the toast. Like, <laughs> like there's are, so are many things moderate. where it's just like you have to work with them, and it happens. Like honestly, uh, it happened with the last one I did. Like it was all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're starting the next formality, and it's just like nobody knew. And it's just like the, the I mean, this isn't lightened per se, but like I found, I like bands more honestly, but like, I found that they're not as structured as DJs where it's like first dance, parent dance. Uh, this is for American weddings, by the way. So it's first dance, parent dance, um, couples dance, maybe um, a break and then, or food like first course. And then like speeches But with bands, it's literally just they just want to play their music. They don't they don't like it's so like I found with bands, all of a sudden they'll start something. Um, So like that's just from experience from hundreds of weddings. Like, obviously, I've had DJs just start stuff, too, when we weren't there. But like with bands, like it's kind of just like they're not they're there to sing and play the guitar and play music like where a put dj the show. It's like,
1: they're there to put on a show yeah yeah
0: it's not that dj's art it's just like i just found that like they're not as um it's not like an mc let's put it yeah. that way it's like the singer if is also an mc it. and a guitar player where a dj is an mc and a dj like there's more yeah more
1: if you get a good dj that is very involved and i love those djs the ones that really like help with like crowd engagement and just like gets everybody excited and happy
0: really good ones out there too
1: those are the gold ones but when you get the routine dj that just like you know shows up all right guys we're doing that and just kind of goes through their timeline yeah Yeah, like yeah those are the ones that you know you you really need to get them on your side early um But yeah, you know, the lighting tip that you brought up is super key. I I think it's just really, depending on the venue, obviously it changes. You know, you have some venues that it's it's just harder to get creative with what's around, you know, especially if it's an all outdoor venue, um, which I know we're ending. This is the last thing I want to bring up. That's the only time that I don't put up lights. I don't know how it is up in Jersey, but in Texas, if you turn on a light at night in the summertime, that's a death wish. Yeah, that's a death wish, bro. Like it's... (laughs) And then most of our venues are like, you know, like if if you're in Austin, you're driving an hour outside the city into the middle of nowhere. Right. Uh, and that's where this gorgeous venue is, you know. And if, if, it's, if it's by any type of body of water or like if you even my little aperture line, I remember being at a wedding last uh, September. And you could see the camera like <laughs> you could see me like like moving it oh, like, kept, like I'm like bumping the tripod's little jerks, like it was just crazy how many bugs it was, and like I needed that light, I needed it on just to have some sort of like key, but like yeah, like that's usually the only time where I'm like, all right, if they don't have lighting, then we're just gonna have to make it work um because if I put my lights up, I did it once, and it was ju- it was nasty, I mean you see. <laughs> Dude, it, it was like the bu- a bank. the bugs come out over here too. It's crazy. It uh, man, it was it was it was horrible. So that's about the only time. Other than that, I try to, you know, get get as creative as possible.
0: Yeah, man. It's uh you know, you gotta work with what you got on a wedding day. Yeah. that that is the the key and working with other people, like I mentioned with the DJ and you know, the makeup artists and stuff. Cause you know, they have their own set thing. They haven't worked with you, they don't know how you do it, you gotta communicate. I think that that's what it really comes down to because I'm not just going to turn off the lights without asking anybody. I'm not going to ask the DJ, Hey, don't like this. Unless I ask him, you know, if I am not communicating before the wedding or before the event starts, then I'm not going to get the results that like I usually get in all my films. So it, it just comes down to experience. And like, obviously familiar vendors, it's good to work with them. But if it's not, you just got to communicate.
1: Yeah. Communicate. Yeah. Communicating is key. That's that's what how the world gets around. Relationships, filmmaking. No matter what it is, you gotta communicate. So absolutely. <laughs> um well awesome. Is there anything else you wanna say? Uh no nah, man, dude. I am super excited, you know. Um, I'm honored that you brought me on today. It was a very, very good conversation. I I got a lot of questions that I'll probably text you offline. Uh especially okay, cool. I'm knowing book. how you how you, you know, do your receptions. Um, because it is eye opening, you know, there's you know, obviously, like you said, there's style that's involved in that. There's preference, you know, um, whether you actually need a light if there's bad lighting or if you you know don't need yeah. it. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think it was a great combo, man. I had a great time. Uh, again, thank you for reaching out and bringing me on. Of
0: course, dude. And, like, just for everybody listening and watching, how can people find you and, like, what's your what's one goal for let's keep it with weddings for 2021 that you're trying to.
1: Okay. um, My social media is Justin Porter Media Everywhere. Um, So my YouTube channel, uh, Justin Porter Media, I do filmmaking tips and tutorials, not necessarily wedding related. Uh, It it can help with weddings, but it's just kind of like just filmmaking in general. Uh, Instagram, Justin Porter Media. And wedding goal for this year. So I've really been wanting to explore more. um, I say documentary edit, but I really want to do like a documentary highlight film. So, um, Minutes. Kind of like a, a hybrid. It's not about the length. It's about the the actual style. So you know how documentary films is just drawn on and like yeah, yeah. usually there's a lot of running clips and it's just kind of like natural, you know, things that take place. So I want to do that, but also incorporate like what you would normally do and edit in a highlight film. So maybe you have, you know, like a first look. It, it's, it's a whole different topic, but that's my goal. I want to kind of, I'm creating like a documentary hybrid highlight film, if you want to call it that. I don't know. I'm working on one right now. That's the clip I was telling you about, uh, which is the whole reason why that clip exists. You know, everything is like multi-cam and it's a lot of pre-planning with me and my second. We have to be like this. Um, So yeah, you know, I I think it's a really cool style and it it actually fits me more because I'm super passionate with filmmaking, like just making short films. So this kind of gives me, it kind of takes me out of the normal routine of filming a wedding. That's awesome. Uh, That's mainly what it in. is. I don't want to get bored with it. <laughs> Once you finish
0: it, I want to see. I want to see like the uh, the difference in the two. That's for, sure, pretty cool. for
1: sure. For sure. For um, sure.
0: But yeah, we're gonna wrap it up there. Um, so we'll probably do another podcast. Honestly, before this podcast started, we had like two, three topics, and we chose this one. We can keep on going if you guys want. Um, but yeah, so it was good to have you, man.
1: Likewise, man. I appreciate it. Thank you.